I'm Melissa Currens. And I'm Amy Yerstead. And we welcome you to the 25th episode of the What Would Alice Paul Do podcast. This show is about demystifying what it means to be a volunteer with the League of Women Voters today. In this episode, we're continuing our five-part series and talking about what a narrative is, when it is used, and how you can craft your own. All this information in this Deeds Not Words segment comes from the Narrative Project, an initiative conducted by Progress Virginia Education Fund and in partnership with Stephen Claremont at Third Eye Strategies. To listen to the earlier episodes in this five-part series, check out our website, alicepaulpodcast.com, and there you'll find links and resources so that you can craft your own story and narrative. A special shout out and thank you to Progress Virginia and the Virginia Progressive Leadership Project for the resources we're about to share. So Amy, we um, we we were talking about um, the longest shutdown ever. I did a fundraiser on Facebook uh, for Coast Guard Mutual Assistance and um, our community showed a lot of love and compassion and gave generously um, in about, I don't know, less than 48 hours. So right. that was incredible. What moved you to create that, that fundraiser? I think it's because I remember when I was first in the Coast Guard so I had just, you know, graduated high school, got in, got in the Coast Guard. And so you, when you first start out, you're like an E1, 2, or, or an E3. And I remember being on the ship with a, a young family. Uh, the husband's name was Bobby, and he had his wife, and they had like a two-year-old daughter. And I remember they they had to go on food stamps while being an active duty, duty member. Mm-hmm. And so can you imagine, like, you already have to get help from the government to get your food and you're active duty military person and don't get to see your family very often because we're always underway. And now you don't get paid and you can't buy food or pay for your rents. Credit card bills are due now. And it's like, you just, yeah, you got to be kidding me. And so I, I used the, I did the fundraiser for Coast Guard Mutual Assistance because I remember when I was in the Coast Guard that whenever someone had an emergency, it could have been like your mom got in a car accident and you're going to try to help pay for your mom's, you know, whatever her insurance or something or if you need to fly home to go see your mom or whatever it was you could get a mutual assistance loan from the coast guard mutual assistance program and it's like an interest-free loan and i think there's some questions like it's not just anybody can get it and it's for a certain amount it won't you know like it's it's just a, a safety line really but um so that's why i opened it and the Coast Guard mutual assistance for this time because it's so so many people need money right now. They had to put a limit on it. So like for it would be for people who are E five or below. So my family wouldn't qualify, but we're fine and, and it makes total sense why they did that. And then if those family it's for those families that make like twenty six hundred dollars or less a month, um, which already is not very much, especially if you have a family. And so um I thought it was a really great program right now to give to those service members who yeah. need money. Yeah. So thank you everybody who contributed um, and gave money to that fundraiser that I opened. And if you want to open your own, uh, please do. Government shutdown, like you said, is the longest in history so far. And I just feel it's so surreal. I just, even though I was doing that fundraiser, I was like, this isn't real. Like, I'm glad I, I'm doing it for Coast Guard Mutual Assistance because they always need the money that, you know, people always need help, emergency help. So, And the League of Women Voters came out in support of the ending of the government shutdown. Um 
and not uh, and not building the wall. No. Yeah, of course, because the wall is an archaic, like it's such an old technology. It's not going to work. He kept saying all of these drugs, blah, blah. And like, no, those are happening at our port of entries. 90% of the drugs come through port of entries, which think about fixing that instead of like isolated areas that, you know, nobody's crossing. Right. <laughs> Freaking wall. Right. 2019 is going to have some great things. I know my uh, Virginia state legislature is in session right now, and the ERA passed the state Senate, which is great news. We still have a very hard battle um, in the House, but, you know, we're going to take our wins when we get them. Um, Well, the Supreme Court is taking on the um, North Carolina um yep. gerrymandering case i believe yep that's true that's true and that's you know that hopefully that would help fix some of the states including mine <laughs> well yeah and amy i was um inspired by your recommendation of our um, from our last podcast about the vox um episodes yeah. that you recommended and um in my city i have um, i'm starting a podcast club which is similar to a book club where the members will listen to a podcast episode and then come ready to talk about it just like how you would um, with a book club so my first meeting uh, is in a couple weeks so I'll report back and let you know Um, it's I use meetup.com to host I have another meetup group for a poetry workshop so this is like my um like civic engagement activity on meetup but um, yeah. i really love meetup.com if that's something that it, um you haven't checked out yet it's it's really great yeah i used it when i was in the league of voters of arlington and we had the uh article film discussion club and we used meetup and it, it we got a lot of people who are not connected through to league through normal channels um, and a lot of people don't want to use Facebook nowadays. And so that's another means to reach out to people is through meetup.com. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. totally. So, it's a good one. Yeah, I'm excited. So thank you. Yeah, for I the can't. You're going to have to come back and talk about what that like, were people pre- feeling prepared or like how did you have questions or right. like when you guys first went in there? So, yeah, I would love to hear more about how you guys organize a podcast group or club or however yes i will report back i'm i'm thinking i'm going to um try to come up with some questions just to you know uh, be ready but i also know um when i've done other meetups is that it really depends you don't know who's going to show up and so yeah who attends really colors how the meeting goes but that's mm-hmm. in another way really fun because you can't yeah. um it's not like a leak well um, in my league, we have unit meetings and the same people tend to attend those. But like with something like beat up, you always get new people, new blood, yeah. new fresh ideas. So it makes it um, a lot more interesting in like both directions. It can go really well or can go not so well. I've had that happen too. But yeah. But. No, I think, yeah, I've had the same expe- the exact experience with Meetup. I, I think I think that's awesome. I think and I think the pod having a podcast group is really cool because I often hear some amazing podcasts and I have nowhere to talk about it with anybody else who can relate to what I just heard and and also like I think that because I hear it and then I just move on with my daily life I forget a lot of what I've just learned and so having another space to go and like talk about it and I think that'll really help ingrain some of those ideas so some of those Vox podcast episodes that I talked about I think it would be great to have a group to sit there and really dive deep into it and find out like you know oh these city policies this would be kind of neat to go and like lay out and see what it would do and you know well we'll Skype you in Amy and you can Ah. 
<laughs> we'll put a That'd coffee cool. up to your face and, <laughs> and you'll Let's do it. be like one of the rest of us. There we go. I feel like Big Bang Theory from Sheldon with the computer. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes. You don't need a body. It's fine. <laughs> just, need, just need your nope. face. Coast Guard told uh, my family where we're moving to. So that's a big deal for me personally uh, and professionally. Um, so June of 2019, my family will mo- be moving back to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. So when we make our future podcast episodes, um, I'll be doing it from the frozen tundra of the Sioux, which is when you have the mitts, we're way above the mitts. We're not the mitt. We're above the mitts by Canada. And um, I think it'll be really interesting to – talk about my experience organizing in a really rural area because I know a lot of other progressive activists feel uh, like they can't do that work there. And I I would argue that you can and it's more important than ever. And to be honest, someone for me who was deeply um, invested in the redistricting movement, part of it is that oftentimes we live by people who are much like us. And in order for us to, you know, have better ideas and solutions for our communities we all need to be moving and living by people who are not like us and um, that'll help with some of this you know segregation and redistricting issues that we have is you know go meet some new people you know we all wish you well amy as you uh, move like halfway across the country again (laughs) Um, and um, you know we look forward to hearing about all your adventures and we can't wait to for you to share them here on alice paul podcast you gotta absorb all you can that's right (laughs) no well actually i gotta absorb as much as i can from the dc area because there's just so many opportunities here to learn and network and I, I definitely have learned so much about organizing and fundraising and um, working with people who are not like me. This has been an amazing experience. So wow. now I'm excited to go and take it back um, to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. The Sioux is very lucky. For our Deeds Not Words segment, we're continuing on with our training series, and this time we're talking about how to craft a narrative. So we don't always have the time required to share our story. In Progress, Virginia shared a really great handbook from their narrative project that they compiled in 2017. So I have it here sitting next to me. It's it's awesome. I wish I could give every single listener this handbook. Uh, it's their way of crafting a narrative like the hero's journey. as the same components with the villain, heroes, and all the other things that make a great story. A narrative is briefer than your story, and it's used in your advocacy framing and messaging. For example, you use it when you're writing for your website, your social media, letters to supporters, or energy energizing people to get them to do something. A narrative should only be about six to nine sentences, and it needs to be brief and clear and get straight to the point. And you want to try to get your audience to feel something at the end of that narrative. And it truly is, feels like a, a hero's journey. Like, remember from back in the, you know, when you're reading Greek mythology as a kid, it's it really is about like a very much of a story, but it's very quick and concise. Uh, you know, in the last a couple episodes, we had the um, work that we're asking folks to consider on their values and then creating their own story. So this is a combination of it's all that work coming together to craft your narrative. And we encourage you if you when you craft your narrative to share them with us, we'd love um, to see what you're coming up with and read and share um, so we can learn from what you guys are doing. Um, yeah, I, I would love to read some of your guys' narratives yeah. about 
the voter suppression that you're fighting or the campaign finance issues. So the, you know, the proliferation of money in your, you know, local elections or whatever it is, it would be awesome to read some of you guys' narratives. So we'll let you know how we'll tell you about how to do it on this episode. But then after that, once you guys have the tools, please do send us um, all that you got at the Alice Paul podcast at gmail.com. That'd be great. And I'll volunteer. I'll actually read them and help you. I'll give you some pointers if you want them. So <laughs> you can email us and uh, I'll do my best. Because <laughs> you all, um, you worked on creating your narrative, right, Amy, with the um, progressive leadership? Yeah. So we. Ca- I think I created a couple of them, actually. I think I have, I have, um, I did one here for this episode. I did one on the leaks. So I'll share that in a, a few minutes. But then I also did one um, on democracy vouchers because y'all know how i love the democracy vouchers um so public financing options so that's another fun one that i did but they're actually just kind of fun i feel like they're almost like creative writing and because i'm a geek like that with activist work so (laughs) yeah and then like what's really cool about a narrative is that um you're gonna add to it and change to it so it's gonna um change over time like with a story you know um oftentimes with an organization you might have an origin story how did how did you um be, you know how did your organization become um in existence how did you know we might have origin stories as activists like how what moved us to become um an activist and a narrative is like it's going to build on that so you're going to have um more stories to add to that but you're right amy you do want to when you have that clarity it makes it easier to see um like to really hone in on what's going to work best with getting yeah. the message across. Yeah. And I think you're right too, but the, like they're going to change because you don't want it to be static, especially if you're writing for social or websites or funder letters. Um, it's got to change because you got to keep it fresh all the time. So you might, you know, stick within your brand standards, your messaging. Um, but for the, you know, it still needs to be kind of, you know, changed up and kicked around a bit so that it's always fresh sounding right in our last episode we talked about writing your story and we shared a tool with four themes for getting your story down and having um, an effective flow we talked about challenge choice outcome and the ask making the ask you'll uh, need those same themes to fill in parts of the of a narrative which are vision heroes tools threats villains and weapons each of these main themes will guide your narrative and keep you on track so to get started crafting your narrative you first need to decide on your vision this is grounded in your values so we talked a lot about values in the last two episodes and about what you care about so these are going to frame your vision your values and what you care about the vision is the big picture of what you strive for. For example, when I was on the League of Women Voters National Board and we were crafting the vision statement, we asked ourselves, what is the ideal state of democracy in America? I remember distinctly talking about this. It's, um, so it's really cool when we're writing this episode. Because um, we also asked ourselves, when do we know that the League isn't needed anymore and we can all go home? And I remember <laughs> when we said this, I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> we're so far away from that. <laughs> Um, but it's true. That's how you're going to come up with your vision statement. What is the ideal state? Um, and when we decided that when every person has the desire, the right, the knowledge, and the confidence to participate in our democracy, then we know we have achieved all that we came to do. And that's when the league's vision, um, and that's when it, that's, that was what it was rooted in, was in our values of fairness, participation, education, transparency, justice, and so on. So 
You just, as a, you know, when you're writing your narrative and you think of your vision statement, what is the ideal state that you're trying to strive for? What is that perfect place that you want to be? And then at the end of the day, you, you can dust your hands off and you'd be like, okay, I did what I came here to do. Mm-hmm. So that's your vision statement. Great. And then, um, so the next theme in the narrative is identifying the hero or heroes. Um, you know, I think we're always looking for heroes and anti-heroes in storytelling. Um, as humans, we crave it. So you want to think about who uh, is fighting for what's right and fair and who are the real-life sh- heroes. So in the League of Women Voters narrative story, the heroes would be the voters um, and the league members who take responsibility, participate, and stand up for their community, and also the people who make elected officials listen to their community needs, the activists. And so you want to ask yourself, who are the heroes in your story? So we have our vision and we have our hero. So that's, we described those. So next are the tools. Tools help the hero complete the quest. It's, it advances the need to get to the vision. When we talk about tools in our narrative, these are simply explained. For example, for the Lee, we might say our tools are policies that increase voter participation as tools in our work. Or for redistricting advocates, we might say uh, the courts, community leaders, petitions, pressuring decision makers, or nonpartisan independent commission are some of our tools in the redistricting movement. So that's tools. After the vision, heroes, and tools are identified, next come the three parts of the narrative that create a sense of urgency, climax, and drama. You know, we all love drama. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, the Housewives um, franchise (laughs) uh, is popular for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, so you want to think about um, the also the threat, the villains and the weapons that make up the latter part of the narrative. So for the threat, we're referring to the the dark, scary thing that happens if we're not successful. Um, And Amy, you probably um, figured out what that dark, scary thing was when you were on national board trying to figure out um, once you solved all of once we solved all of the um, problems in democracy, we could go home. But um, there's always these threats. So the threats that um, directly impact our hero or us as the hero. For example, mm-hmm. in the lead, threat to our vision is a government that no longer works for the people, but only special interest. Or you might say a government that suppresses the voices of the people and only works for the good old boys. In redistricting, a threat would be preventing competitive elections or a competition of ideas um, and rigging the election. So definitely that's a threat in redistricting. So who are the villains that are threatening our vision who needs to be held accountable for their evil doings? Ha ha ha. In the league's work, the villains are shady politicians or greedy politicians or politicians in special interests who threaten the integrity of our elections. Or it might be politicians who put their power and dealings with corporations before voters and people. Or dark money, aka super PACs. So those are all examples of some of the uh, villains that we might have in our space. So when we're talking about our villains, we want to make sure that we describe them as something to do with like being shady or greedy, you know, or a special interest. We don't want to say politicians in just general. Like we don't say all politicians are this way because we have to work with politicians. So we want to keep keep relationships where we have them. Um, so you want to definitely identify what what it is that the politicians, who they are, who these specific group are. So politicians that ignore voters, that's you really want to make sure that you're not 
putting lumping all politicians into that pot. Lastly, in this evil scheme, um, we want to uh, identify the weapons that the villains are using. So the weapons are, the, um, in this case, the weapons are the tools that politicians or corporations or special interests are using to create havoc, but um, in incremental ways that quietly roll back progress. So, for example, in the League's work, the weapons that villains use are restrictive election or voting laws, um, an outdated election system, uh, barriers to voting, rigging elections for politicians, also racism, voter suppression, political party, or partisanships. Those are the weapons, that's for sure. I think we see a lot of that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so to review, when crafting your narrative, you want to write a list um, or several columns that describe what your vision is, what is needed to allow you to rest and go on vacation, um, who the heroes are, the tools they need to use to fight, and then for the shady part, who are the villains, what are their tools, and what is the threat to your perfect world? So the last step in creating your whole narrative is putting the vision, the heroes, the tools, the threats, the villains, and the weapons together. So Progress Virginia called this Mad Libs, which I love because I love Mad Libs. I remember from being as a kid and you just filled in the words. It's kind of the same thing. So with the Mad Libs, this step is all about putting it together. You articulate your vision and values. That's one area. You state the problem, which is the villain and the weapons. And those equal the threat. And then you can conclude with the solution, which is the heroes and the tools. And those equal the vision. So which is basically restating the vision. In some ways, I feel like it's Mad Libs meets Dear John letter. I don't know if you remember those as a kid. Dear, <laughs> the like. Breakup letter. See you later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you're doing your Mad Libs, Dear John squished together and you come up with this great narrative. <laughs> so you start with a positive. Your vision and values. And then you punch the jerk in the face with the problem and all the ways that they manipulate you. That's, and then you end with a nice salutation. <laughs> you you punch the villain in the face. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not John. <laughs> Not John. <laughs> and then that's it. That's the Mad Libs. That's the, that's the meets Dear John breakup letter. So when I was writing for this episode, I did a quick narrative to share. I used the League's work. And as you can kind of see, we've been kind of weaving it through this episode. Um, and I used it with voting rights, for example, for each of the themes. So that I pulled them all out and Mad Libbed them. Um, so, and this, this is, if I did all of this, this is how the narrative would sound. So kind of working with this, um, all the stuff we just went through, this is what it would come up with. So every person should have the right, the knowledge, the confidence to participate in our democracy. But greedy politicians and manipulative corporations use money and their selfish power to ignore the desires of voters, which makes politicians less accountable to us, especially to communities that are traditionally overlooked and overstepped. Together, we can reform electoral policies and make government more accountable to us. We will put pressure on our elected leaders to modernize so that every person has the opportunity to hold their government accountable so that our voters have an opportunity to shape political priorities and broaden the electorate so that the more people can run and be heard. Wow. I mean, that's an um, impressive narrative. Thanks. (laughs) I mean, we kind of like, we kind of did the homework for me. So it was all throughout. Um, And if you just take it piece by piece, so, you know, if you just take it, okay, this is our vision, all right? This is the hero. These are the tools. This is the our values. This is our threat. 
This is their tools. This is the villain. You put those, you just define it, you know, just list them out. And then when you're ready, you're going to mad lip dear John it, put those together and, and then you can get your narrative. It's, I mean, it really is that easy. So as a vision I'd stated, I used our vision statement since it's exactly how I feel a perfect world would look. I participated in the National League's vision statement construction. So that was cool. Um, and then I talked about the villains, the, the greed, the politicians, and the ma- manipulative corporations and their weapons are money and selfish power. Um, the threat is less accountability, especially to people who are overlooked and overstepped. And then I restate and empower the listener with a message about who we can overcome the vil- how we can overcome the villain, their tools, and their threats. Wow. So, yep, that's that- it. I mean, basically, what you have here is four sentences, and that's all that you need. So, um, we encourage you to try to write your narrative, um, and uh, I think it will come together as easily um, as as what Amy put together. Amy, how long did that take you to put together when you did it? Oh. Not long, maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So um, we, as you can see, it's really powerful to create your narrative. So um, we encourage you to check out our show notes for more resources and tools so you mm-hmm. can get to work on your narrative. And if you have any questions or want Amy's help, um, <laughs> please uh, visit our Facebook page or email us at alicepaulpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And remember, the whole idea about the narrative is that it really is writing for online or for your, you know, your letters going out to supporters and members. Um, and so it's it's good to get this down. Practice, practice, practice writing it, identifying all the different parts. And so this will come off much easier. And um, so when you're at five o'clock in the morning scheduling your Facebook post and you're coming up with a narrative, it won't be so hard. It'll be super easy and be natural. Yeah. And I feel like um, I, I feel like as we're doing this five part series, it's really striking me how um, this would be something that Alice Paul would do, because I'm sure this is what she this is how she was organizing. Um, she was using the power of narrative to get people um, to come to the cause of women's voting rights. Yep. And she had to she had to constantly keep people engaged and trying to explain to them why this is so urgent and who are we targeting. Um, and so I absolutely think that you know she probably made the the villains were the politicians who were greedy with power and didn't want to give it to the women. You know the threat was that women continue were not going to have a voice in their political system. Um, the heroes were the women um, and the men that would also help fight for the right to vote. The tools um, was, you know, soapboxing. It was the the canvassing, the driving across the country, marching. It, marching. Yep. It was standing outside of the White House. Those were some of their tools. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely think that she used a narrative over and over and over again in her tactics and her her, her major campaigns. You can't get better than Alice Paul. For real. <laughs> and i uh, one last note so if you're gonna email me your awesome narratives i'd also ask that while you're online uh to make sure you give us a review on itunes or at the apple store i mean for reals people um we found out that apple did some cleaning house and so we're not as nearly as popular as we used to be <laughs> so if you could go on there help people find us the way you do that is by going on there and reviewing and rating us um which it'll help other leaguers and other advocates make democracy work in their community when they have cool tools they learn how to make their own stories and narratives so help us out go to itunes apple store rate us review us 
This is Melissa Currents. And this is Amy Yersted. We ask, what would Alice Paula do? But it's more important what you are going to do. You are the hero in this journey to make our world more just and fair. The pen truly is mighty. So write your hero's journey and use it to build your army of democracy defenders. Until next time.